European Union are at this moment in time warning that Russia's war with Ukraine has a high likelihood to spill over into a intercontinental conflict. NATO is addressing this by saying that the current understanding of this possibility remains low. Let me remind you that NATO said the likelihood of a war on European soil was low. And yet here we are today. It's the wild west out here, speaking of how bad things are getting in America. Business owners claim they, they have to uh, set up armed guards outside of their storefronts because police in the area either cannot or will not handle the rampant crime increases that are costing business owners their livelihoods and sometimes their lives. The news reports say that business owners across America are having a hard time, especially those in the Northwest. Business owners are left to fend for themselves on crime, taking matters into their own hands. They say they are outraged by the city's climbing trends, uh, climbing crime trends, and they have put together meetings, but that nobody listens. They say it's up to them to stop the criminals, and the police will do nothing. It's been a couple of months now that I have warned you about the breaking of the social contract. It started back during the 2020 crisis in which we saw riots, which they would not call riots, take place across the United States of America. In these riots, there was a great calling for the damnation of policing organizations and all law enforcement. That wasn't a sentiment that went away when the riots did. And so it pitted the law enforcement officials against the American people. Some will argue, rightfully so, that law enforcement has always been against the American people because in their idea of law and its enforcement, it is them versus you. But here we have case after case across the USA in which law enforcement officials either cannot or will not get to a crime scene on time. Sometimes when they get there, there's little that they either can do or will do to stop it. In Seattle's city council, the number one job they say should be to protect the citizens of Seattle. That's Kim and, uh, Kevin Ringrell, the Yukon Trading Company individual who said at the meeting that we are here collectively begging for the help of the government. It is bad, warns one stone owner, uh, store owner. Rampant break-ins, vandalism, drug use, violence, and ever-increasing homeless, uh, homelessness. I don't want to be silent anymore, he says. Speaking of another, they say that we have been broken into four times in the last couple of months, and we are making claims on our insurance. It's really hard because we're at the point where they could drop us off of our insurance. That's Karen Jan with the wax bar. That's according to a local reporting news agency. We talked in a recent video about debtors' prisons and that this is a real concern among the American people. Actually, it's popping up in countries all over the world where the United States dollar is failing to offer the same prosperity and prospects that it used to. What happens when they come from me? What happens when they come from my debt? Asks one mother. Another person asks online if they can take their home. Will we go to jail? Asks yet another still. Though currently not legally justified, debtors' prisons are a possibility in the near future. In fact, they happen right now 
all over our planet. Prison after prison. Debtors' jails are trapping foreign, uh, foreigners in international institutions. One individual convicted in 2012 was released four years early. He endured hard labor. It was defined by the local laws as a rehabilitation. However, instead of being able to get on a plane and go to his homeland, he was transferred to a new debtors' detention center. This was an hour southeast of the province in which he was originally locked up. Now, this individual was uh, detained at this center for two years. At times, he was held in solitary confinement. He had his ankles locked in iron shackles. He was pepper sprayed by guards. Then he was finally released. This is just last November. He was released after paying $1,600 USD in court fees, as well as compensation to the victims of his crime. Now, your crime in the future could be the victims requiring your payment, and those victims being credit card agencies. It's terrible. It is prison after prison, one individual tells local reporting outlets. I was seriously humiliated. I was locked up in a dark, smelling, small room without a toilet. My legs locked up in bars for two weeks at a time. From what I am seeing and hearing here, there is no hope of being released, says another individual, Hillary, in a written correspondence. I cannot pay this huge amount of money while inside of jail. There's no means of communication, she says, no way of making money, no way to borrow money from somewhere from the outside. This is a life sentence. And that's exactly what debtors prisons will be for Americans if they allow the victims, credit card companies, to go from overreaching predatory lending practices and go into a victim mentality in which they can take you to court and basically take your home, take your cars, and then finally take you to jail. You might think that sounds like a stretch, but it's not very much of one because remember, these places are too big to fail. They're too big to break up, and soon they will too, be too big for you to owe. That means the government in the United States of America definitely has some sort of cont uh, continuity plan in order for you to go to jail for your credit debt. What will you do if the USA finally says that these banks that are too big to fail become too broke and they need to be compensated by you too? Now they say that globalization around the world is under attack. One decade ago, 10 years ago, Political powers brokered a corporate new gathering. This was to change the theme of the future of our world. It was a time for resilient uh, dynamics, they say. The organizers of the meeting wanted to shape the future. These are the same organizers that are taking part in the Davos meeting, the one that leads our future. Why? Because we have unelected individuals, unwanted groups playing with our lives. In a post-crisis stage, one outlet says it was the elites that became empowered to deliver a future for the world in the realm of so-called economic sustainability and regional and international competitiveness. Now they warn that even at these meetings of the elites, there is no more optimism. They say that they know that their day of reckoning is close at hand. 
that there is a thinning of the herd, and this thinning is taking place now. The problem for the rest of us, that is you and me, is that they will continue to strain your blood from a rock until they get every last dollar and every last move out of you, the chess piece that they can. Now at these meetings, they say we have a crisis in the making. It's becoming more and more accepted among the general elite and those in power that we are in what they are calling a state of permanent crisis. They say that we suffer a world undergoing continuous change, one that is being pushed back by a never-ending cascade of disaster after disaster, wars, weather, and other extreme events, energy problems, inflation, biological threats, political instability, and economic peril. In a press call with reporters in the last couple of days, the president to the uh, World Economic Forum, he said in a meeting that what will happen against the most complex geopolitical and geoeconomic backdrop in decades will shape the future of our world. They're asking what comes next. They say that there is a deep undertone of despair, even among those in power, a fear that globalization is over. This is in an age of ascendant nationalism, they say, a great power rivalry, rivalry uh, and a great power struggle between the United States and China. One, they say, where the United States of America is fighting wars and waging wars. What America is doing with its protectionist agenda, one watcher says, has set off a dangerous spiral into new international protectionism that's taking place across our world. It has frayed, they warn, the global order that the United States spent decades creating and securing in the aftermath of World War II. They say, the cause of liberal democracy and market capitalism is to blame. Now something new is taking place. They're calling an event that's happening right now a forced re-globalization, a time in which anti-Western partners of China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, all BRIC countries, create a new normal, one that no longer requires the allowance of the United States dollar. In fact, it works just fine without the good old USD. And that should scare you as much as it scares the higher-ups in different governments around the Western world because they know that their day of reckoning is coming soon. And so they are scrambling to get their fingers into other countries. Why do you think they are so invested in Ukraine? Tengzu Zafro Aziz says, I would say that we are in a reglobalization moment. That's Malaysia's Minister of Trade and Industry. This isn't just some pundit. He told individuals at a nation's pavilion along a slow-lined central promenade in this meeting that in the short term, Malaysia as a country might benefit from companies and businesses pivoting away from China and toward other areas, including the USA. But they say the bigger picture here is very concerning. People are becoming more siloed, he says. In the long run, we as a country are very concerned about the cost of trade going up, and what might happen internationally in the future. Experts in the United States of America are warning the US Navy on China. They say no matter what you say, the bigger fleet always wins. 
These experts and military strategists say that as the world has witnessed an immense growth of the Chinese military, especially in its naval power, which is already being seen and admitted by the United States uh, military as the current holder of the world's largest naval force, one professor at the U.S. Naval War College has a warning for all American military planners. He says in naval warfare, it's the biggest fleet that almost always wins. This is writing in a recent issue of the U.S. Naval Institute's Proceedings magazine. The analyst says that if history shows us anything, is that China's numbers, its numerical advantage, will lead to the defeat of the U.S. Navy in any war with China. He says that he is the chair of the Future Warfare Studies at the U.S. Naval War College. This isn't just some nobody. He's a former U.S. Navy captain. He poured over data of 28 different naval wars, from the Persian Wars of 500 B.C. through Cold War proxy conflicts, things that took place between the nations, and he found only three specific times where superior technology defeated larger numbers. All other wars, he says, were won by superior numbers, or when, between equal forces, superior strategies and admiralship of those involved. The analyst says that often all three qualities act together because operating a large fleet generally facilitates more extensive training and it's often an indicator that the leaders there are concerned with strategic requirements and so they win the day. The three outliers that he questions are wars from the 11th, the 19th, and the 16th centuries. They aren't likely familiar to everybody, but to most scholars, they say that these things can happen and they do happen, but it's not often technology wins against numbers. Looking at one war in particular, they look at the Napoleon Wars that shook the place, he says, in the 1800s, for example. French warships in Wars were superior in technology. They were superior in ship design, in construction. But ultimately, there was the larger numbers of Royal Naval ships that prevented Napoleon from crossing the English Channel. That's him writing of numbers versus technology. Now, here's where the warning gets serious for you and me. The People's Liberation Army, the PLA, they have surpassed the U.S. Navy in fleet size. This happened around 2020, two years ago. Now it has 340 plus or minus warships, according to the Pentagon's Chinese military power report that was released last year. China's fleet, they say, is expected to continue to grow in numbers that the U.S. Navy simply can't match. It will be at 400 plus ships in the next couple of months. Meanwhile, the U.S. fleet sits just under 300 ships. They say the Pentagon's goal is to have 350 ships in years and years, but it will still be well behind China. Now, to counter this, that same Pentagon document warned that the world was entering a new age of warfare with China. They said one in which integration of technology, concepts, partners, and systems were more effective than fleet size alone. They say those things would determine the victory in the coming conflicts. Now, in World War II in the Pacific, where Japanese technology started to get the better of American warships, they say these are examples of why the Pentagon's conclusions don't necessarily hold up against true fleet numbers. Imperial Japan 
is said to have entered the war with superior technologies. The Zero Fighter, Long Lanes Torpedo, aerial torpedoes that could strike anywhere in shallow water. Analysts say these did little to affect the outlook of the war. However, he says it was the overall might of the U.S. industry and the size of the U.S. fleet, particularly logistics among amphibious ships, those were what gave victory over the Imperial Japanese Navy. Now, here we have a case of these things taking place across our planet. We know that China is going to come to battle with the USA. It's going to be massive. It's going to be televised. And it's going to shape our world. As soon as this happens, we are going to see China stop supplying goods to the American people. That means your medicine, your shoes, your shirts, your food in many cases will stop. That's why preparedness is so important. I want you to remember that individual from the Reddit uh, post that we read. I want you to remember that they said they rested easier because they had food put away. Imagine how much easier you and your family will rest if you have some extra shoes put away, especially if you have children who are growing in size. Some extra shirts, belts, over-the-counter medication, things to repair the goods inside of your house, even just some spare PVC parts and PVC glue. If you're going to get it, I suggest you get the rain or shine PVC glue because in all likelihood, when you have to fix a brake, you're not going to be in perfect conditions. There might not be anybody holding an umbrella over your head if it's raining, and you might be dodging bullets to do so. We've speak, uh, spoken at length about how vulnerable people can be, especially when they are trying to turn the tide of a larger conflict. We've spoken about how things like wells and well houses can be easily targeted. You have to remember that you do not want to become anyone's enemy in a long duration emergency. What you want to do is be basically non-existent to them. If anything, you want to be seen as a force of loss that they do not want to confront. And in doing so, you will have to beef up all of your defenses. You'll have to remain on watch when the lights go out. If you don't have something like night vision, I highly suggest that you get something like a uh, infrared camera. If you have just infrared cameras that are physical and wired, please have the ability to keep them online when the power goes out. If you don't have those capabilities, then please look into other low-cost things that you can get. Remember, if you're using something like the first generation of night vision, which is readily available and pretty darn inexpensive, it's not very good for your eyes. And looking through it too long could give you some uh, lasting eye damage. And if anything, during an emergency, you're going to need your eyes more than anything else. Think now about how you will set up a watch schedule, what you and your family will do when other people need to sleep, what if you have an emergency that brings you away from the homestead? Do you have any sort of trips or alarms in place? Could you bunk up with other friends and family, maybe people who have similar interests to you, they might even be your neighbors, so that if you're away doing something, they might be able to keep watch. And then if you have children, especially small children, who could be coerced into not saying anything, you have to remember that they are vulnerable. Predators work among us. Those predators might be your neighbors. Heck, they can even be your family. Predators exist all around, and they prey upon opportunity. 
So you really can't trust too many people, in my opinion. Now is the time to form the people that you can trust, a group of people that you care about and that care about you. A couple of ways you can do this is just to start reaching out to people. Don't be looking for a group, just be looking for good people. And then when you find them, spend a lot of time with them. Spend time with them when they are having bad days and when you are too. This way you have a better chance of seeing not just the worst of their times, but how they handle stressors. Think about testing them. It doesn't mean that it's malicious or negative in any way. It just means that you can reach out to them and say, hey, could you come help me? It might not be convenient for them, and if it's not, that's even better. If they do show up, that means that they'll likely show up when you really need them. Then, when they call on you, make sure that you come to help them. Because if you don't, then it's just a one-sided street of using and abusing. And that's not what anybody wants. Please, everybody, take the time now to get ready. Things are definitely changing quickly. From my family to yours, please stay safe remain vigilant, and keep watch. This week's Full Spectrum News is brought to us by you, by all of our members on Patreon. And make sure you check out nutrientsurvival.com forward slash FSS if you're looking for long-term food storage. They have meals that are ready to eat. They're a lot like the military's, but a lot less like debtor's prison food. Check them out and use the code FSS15. That'll get you 15% off. Also, uh, contingencymedical.com. It's real antibiotics by real doctors and real pharmacies. Sure, you need to get something like fish antibiotics. Keep that in your back pocket. It's better than nothing. But if your kid gets sick or if you have to pull a tooth out, use a real antibiotic from a real doctor if you can get it. Use the code FSS10 and you're going to get a discount there. Most of all, remain with us every day. We keep telling you what is happening. We bring the headlines from around the world. Make sure you subscribe to us here on Full Spectrum Survival and join us down in the community with other like minds. Stay safe, everyone. That's all five of their names. They were terminated. The officers, who are all Black, had all joined the department between 2017 and 2020. This is the first step towards achieving justice for Tyree and his family, Ben Crump, and Antonio Romanucci, lawyers representing Nichols' family, said in a statement on Friday, they must also be held accountable for robbing this man of his life and his son of a father. Local prosecutors called the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation to look into the case while Mr. Nichols was still alive in the hospital. And on Wednesday, federal prosecutors in Memphis said that a civil rights investigation had been opened. City officials also vowed this week to release the body cam footage after the police department's investigation had been completed and Mr. Nichols' family had uh, had an opportunity to see it which is expected to happen early next week. We take departmental violations very seriously. And while we must complete the investigation process, it is our top priority to ensure a swift justice is served. Jim Strickland, the mayor of Memphis said in a statement, we want citizens to know that we are prepared to take immediate and appropriate actions 
based on what the findings determine. Really, if you are serious, America, you'll get rid of this qualified immunity. And this is all the more reason that backs up what we've been saying all along. You need to strip this qualified immunity. This death probably would never have occurred if they knew there was something on the line. But as long as there is qualified immunity to protect the police officers, this is going to continue on. The five officers could not be reached immediately for comment on Friday. The Memphis Police Association, the union representing the city's officers declined to comment on the firings. The citizens of Memphis and more importantly, the family of Mr. Nichols deserve to know the complete account of the events leading up to his death and what may have contributed to, um, you know, th this is what the union president is saying. Asika Cage Rosario is the name of the union president. And this is what they said in a statement on Friday. Well, strip their peace officer license, get rid of qualified immunity, and we need a hate crime bill. Anything less coming out of Washington, D.C., you're not helping us at all. And it tells us you're not interested in helping the black community at all. My prayers go out to Tyree Nichols' family. I hope they can find some peace in all this madness. It is so difficult. But I'm glad they lawyered up and got representation. And these officers, they all need to go to jail. All of them. Please leave your comment and subscribe. Don't forget to hit on the notification bell. And I'll see you on the next video. Peace, family. reports across the United States of America. Law enforcement agencies are being warned that there is a general expectation that in the next couple of months, maybe as SNAP or food assistance programs revert to their pre-pandemic levels, we're going to see crime, protests, and possibly riots across the country. There's people who are saying that they'll just go get their food. There's others who are worrying that they don't know what to do to make ends meet. What we can expect is more crime, especially more crimes of opportunity in the next couple of months. So please be ready. One food professor, he earns $221,000 per year. He's catching heat online because he said that this everyday man and woman's crisis was simply non-existent. His name is Sylvian Charleboy. He's an academic for a university in the United Kingdom, and he was speaking on uh, shoplifting and crime in the country and in the world. He's a food industry commentator, and he, of course, 
brought this heat on himself when he wrote in an article arguing that grocery theft only raises the prices for good law-abiding people. They said that this was a cost-of-living crisis. According to some industry, industry data, an average-sized food retail store can have between $2,000 and $5,000 worth of groceries taken from them per week, he writes. Of course, you and I know what they do next. They increase your prices, so we pay for those thefts. He continues with the relatively narrow profit margins in grocery. Sure, buddy. This amount is huge. This covers the losses. Grocers need to raise prices, so at the end of the day, you and I pay for grocery theft. You see how this is a very one-sided story, but it's mixed with both truth and disconcerting uh, lack of empathy. What we do know is that grocery stores, mostly because they have all had to keep up with the Walmarts and the Targets of our world, the Kroger's and the Albertsons, the mom and pop stores are suffering the most. These grocery stores, including the ones that are leading higher than ever profit margins at the end of the year, they are raising their prices and they're doing it without any care that it has nothing to do with inflation. What really brought people against this individual food professor is he said, you think it's inappropriate to shoplift while grocery shopping? This is because you think food prices are too high. It's crazy. That remark sparked a massive debate over morality of food theft, especially food theft during difficult times. Now, I would ask you if you have family members or friends who would just go take the food that they need if it was just to feed their family. Many argue that it shouldn't be considered a crime if it is your only way to survive. Others openly use the thread to admit that they do steal food. One individual writes, charging a poor person who steals food for survival does nothing to address poverty. It reinforces the wealth of those who exploited this pandemic to steal from each and every one of us. Now you see how that is both true and concerning. Yes, corporations were allowed to run rampant and they still are with corruption. We've even had corporate leaders come out and say there's no real connection between what is considered inflation and corporate price increases. The correct response, another person writes in, to seeing someone stealing food, especially baby food, is to not see it at all. The thread caught more attention from individuals around the world, including Jack Monroe. He's a British food writer. He's also an activist known for budget-friendly recipes. He says, do you think it's appropriate for grocery shops to inflate their prices beyond the affordability of their own low-paid workers? Now, we see this happening across the country. Most uh, Kroger workers and workers of Walmart, places like that, over 50% have to rely on government subsidies, including things like SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, basically welfare to feed their family or for people who stack the shelves to be resorting to food bank, uh, food banks, the person says, or for anyone desperate enough to risk criminal records because they are starving. Now, other people went on a back and forth against this. Then they found out that this individual's income, sharing documents that were published by the university, showed that he earned $221,562 and change in the year 2022. This is four to eight times the average private sector worker's 
pay. Here we have the divide of the haves and the have-nots. Kroger's CEO says that half of its customers are under extreme financial strain. That CEO, Rodney McMullen, he said this just in the last couple of days, that they have been working hard with their manufacturers so that they can work together to reduce the costs as customers remain extremely financially strained. This is a quote from Rodney. About half of our customers are under a lot of strain from a financial perspective. Their wages are not uh, keeping up with inflation that they have incurred. This was during a keynote session at NRF 2023, retail's so-called big show in New York City. Moving back to some international things that are happening, the foreign minister has called for more support for Taiwan. He says, quote, we need democracies around the world to look at the situation in this region against China so that we can rise up and say no to China's expansionism. He says the Chinese military are continuing to fly aircraft into and around the Taiwan Strait median line into Taiwan's air defense identification zone, and the Chinese ships are operating in pre-war maritime maneuvers around the country. Additionally, they say China regularly uses dis, uh, disinfo campaigns, cognitive warfare campaigns, and cyber attacks to bring the people against independence. They say that China is a very serious threat. Now, the United States of America, Canada, and the United Kingdom, together with Australia, Japan, and other partners, have each opposed unilateral changes to the regional status quo. That was highly welcomed, Wu says. We hope the international community, among special fellow democracies, continue to tell China that the country should not resort to the use of force against any other country. The foreign minister pointed out that the country of Taiwan has been working hard to bolster its own military defensive capabilities. They say that this deterrence in military reforms will hopefully keep China from moving against Taiwan. However, he says, war is destruction. War is something that the world does not desire. Now, they say that China will continue to expand a so-called authoritarian agenda in the East and the South China Seas. They say that other areas, especially Indo-Pacific countries, will begin to see a realization of China's military goals. With regard to the war that is taking place between Russia and Ukraine, Taiwan has learned that the determination of Ukrainian people is an important determining factor a determinant, they say, in deciding the outcome of a war. Taiwan has also picked up on current effectiveness and uh, protocols of Ukrainian asymmetric strategy. This is against what was considered one of the most powerful militaries in the world. He says global support against China in the coming war is going to be very important. On the other side of things, China is identifying the weaknesses of Russia as it continues to work itself against Ukraine. China, they think, will use these weaknesses to bolster their own offensive capabilities. When announced in the last couple of days that males born after or uh, on January 1st are required to serve one year of military service, the monthly salary will be raised from the current $215. Isn't that great? to uh, just a little bit more, which includes insurance and meal expenses. 
with the lengthening, he says, of military service. Live fire target practices are also expected to increase significantly as the countries in the Indo-Pacific work hard to deter China. Now, you know what is happening, and I want you and your family to be prepared. You know that China will move on Taiwan soon. It might be today. It might be next year. But when it does, your whole world will change. The Federal Reserve's bargain has said that we cannot declare a victory over inflation anytime soon. Unilever's CEO, this is again one of the large corporations that has been allowed to raise prices even as, a, even as they have no connection to inflation. The Unilever CEO says that we have passed the peak of inflation, but not the peak of prices. You heard that right, folks. Inflation is done, but companies are not done raising their prices. You see, the problems exist that they don't consider the unlawful uh, raising of prices to be an inflationary measure. They only consider it to be a part of inflation when they, the companies, feel like they have a justifiable reason to raise prices that are just beyond their measures of control, like the prices of raw goods or having to pay their people more. So what they're telling you is that they are going to continue to raise prices. Those prices are going to go up for me and you, and you will keep paying those prices, but it's not because anything costs more to them. It's because they want more of your money, and you are an obstacle and something in the way of them achieving those goals. Now, what's happening in Russia? Russia's central bank has launched a currency swap instrument for the yuan. We see this as part of a new play in the BRICS against the United States dollar. You want to see how visible the division is between the haves and the have-nots? It's becoming very open. A majority in the, of the people in the USA are cutting the fat off of all of their expenses. They're trimming down on everything. Some people are losing their homes. Others are having their cars repossessed. Still others are putting their groceries on credit cards, ones that they will never be able to pay off. The personal savings rate for Americans has hit a 17-year low. This is according to Federal Reserve data on official data releases. But this just in, Rolls-Royce has reported record sales despite an average price tag of around $534,000 per luxury vehicle. In the, United, uh, in the European Union, the VP has claimed that the member nations of the European Union are now concentrating on a negotiated effort for a solution against the Inflation Reduction Act of the United States of America. German's government has warned, or at least they have vocalized, that, quote, we are sure that a trade war with the USA will not happen. After posting the company's worst earnings, the worst earnings miss in over 10 years, Goldman Sachs CFO has said the bank is seeing early signs of consumer credit deterioration. They know that people are putting everything on a credit card. And they know that soon people won't be able to pay it back. Commercial real estate vacancies in and around the country have seen records up 27%. They've increased in some areas for a straight 12 quarters in a row. The USA is in hard trouble. 
Janet Yellen has said that we will continue to exert extraordinary measures and pressures if lawmakers do not act in ways that work for the U.S. government. That means that it's going to hurt you. These measures, these extreme measures, will come at a cost to the American people. Nothing about limiting the government's use of defense spending or any other spending. The Empire State Manufacturing Survey plunged in the month of January. New business activity in New York State recorded the fifth worst rating in history. That's according to Nick Timorose, as he said that things are about to get bad. We're reporting now that Saudi Arabia is open to the discussion of trading in other currencies other than the United States dollar. Bloomberg has reported on this and economists say that this is just the beginning. When looking at the wealth divide, just 1% of the people around our planet caused 50% of global aviation emission. In a case in point, corporate executives and the wealthy elite are emitting tons of emissions as they fly private jets to and from different economic forums around our planet. The richest 1% of the people amassed two-thirds of new wealth. This was created in the last two years, according to Oxfam. But I want you to remember that as people are putting their food on grocery on credit card, <clears throat> Rolls-Royce reported record sales. 